Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buonasera. It's, of course, the Vuelta. Welcome to the uh, Zwift Cycling Central uh, podcast. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, Dave McKenzie, of course. Hi, Dave. Buenas. 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 I am very good. Buenas tardes. Yeah, buenas tardes. Yeah, yeah buenas tardes is, 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 is Spanish. Um, now I'm very good. Jeez, we're on the way, aren't we? Went off with a bang. There you go. Um, <laughs> it was a, you know, it was a mild 37 degrees last night in Burgos yeah, for the opening prologue. No problem. Easy. They all had the ice jackets on, uh, but it was a good start. Yes. Beautiful start. In fact, it was a lovely start. They started in the beautiful um, UNESCO World Heritage listed cathedral that yes. sits smack bang in the middle of town. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Luke who's joining us today. We've hey. got a special guest again. It's Simon Gerrans. How are you, Gerald? Evening, guys. So, uh, Simon, I, f- I believe you know Burgos. You've you've did some competition over there. You actually rode in Burgos. Yeah, so I raced a little bit around Burgos um, throughout my racing career. I raced in the Walter Burgos, I think, in two thousand nine, and I think we may have raced through Burgos on a couple of occasions in the in the Tour of Spain when I was competing in that too. So, not unfamiliar with the area. And uh, well, we saw how hot it was last night, Gero. But and we'll we'll talk more about the the upcoming stage too shortly uh any surprises for you as we delve into the results of the prologue uh, or did you think it was par for the course no i think um when you look at what primos roglic has sort of achieved since he since he abandoned the tour de france you know obviously dominating the olympic games there so he's obviously in cracking form he must have been working really hard in his time trialing so no big surprises there and he was kind of surrounded by specialist really within the within the top 10 on GC and he already has a really good margin on a number of his rivals um, in the general classification as well. We have to get used to, to see uh, Mr. Roglic dominating, especially on a time trial like this. Uh, when you are Aaron Baru, you're sitting on the hot seat, but you know there is still Primoz Roglic to come. You're pretty much unsure you're going to still stay there. Well, he had, he had to sit, didn't he, for she's the best part of an hour and a half, yeah. I think. Uh, Aaron Baru... As a smoky for me, I, he was he was really good in the Criterium du Dauphiné. He actually crashed in the TT at the Dauphiné, and st- still produced a good time. And I just thought he's Spanish, you know, you know what it's like. You you rise to the occasion in your home country in your home race. Um, but he wasn't stiff, was he? As you said, Roglic is just ugh, he, not only is he good, he's pretty damn resilient, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. He's a sort of he's shown he's a class above in in these individual times balls. But Aaron Burrow. I probably sort of really started to pay close attention to him in the Tour de France where he was sprinting quite well. So he obviously has a, a pretty strong finish as well as, you know, a solid TT. He's also won a stage in the Tour of Basque Country. So very complete rider. I think he's only 25 maybe um, and sort of starting to clock up quite an impressive Pelmas. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's listen from uh, the man of the moment. Mm. Uh, we always knew uh, he was a very strong possibility uh, to claim that prologue and also to claim uh, the leaders, the red jersey. It is, this is Primoz Roglic. Uh, yeah, Whew. crazy, huh? So, uh, yeah, obviously it was enough. Uh, I'm super uh, happy and pleased uh, definitely with uh, today's result. Today was only uh, seven kilometers, not much compared to the Olympic Games. <coughs> How confident were you on seven kilometers? Uh, whew. Let's say seven, but still uh, super hard. Huh? You don't wish for more when you cross the line. So, uh, yeah, it's hard. Huh? It's uh, just uh, all out from the start till the finish. Where did you think you won this time trial? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know intermediate times or nothing, but... Uh, yeah, the fact is, you have to go here slow, uh, fast up. Also, you need to come down and you have to survive the corners and uh, push on the flat. Back in the red jersey, are you prepared to keep the red jersey for the whole Vuelta? We will see. Uh, is uh, again, a beautiful start. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we hopefully can enjoy it uh, with the team. Uh, yeah, in the upcoming days. Voila. Thank you. Voila. Is he as? <laughs> he, end, he ended the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just went voila. That's it. Uh, uh, Gero, how hard is a prologue compared to a longer TT? Because we, we look at it, you go, oh, 7.1K. You do that full blast. But how hard actually it is on the body and on the mind? Well, it can be quite a rude shock to the body, particularly at the start of a, a, a grand tour, because these riders, they would have sort of arrived at the start in Burgos here a few days ago. They would have been tapering off their form. So maybe they haven't done those really intense efforts much in the past few days. So that initial prologue, particularly one in the heat like that, can really burn your lungs and really opens you up. So it's a big shock to the system. Um, and now they'll just sort of settle into that daily routine of, of working really hard. But that initial prologue versus a longer time trial or maybe a time trial that's mid-tour is a big difference. It's a big shock to your body. And the Vuelta, Gero, it's, uh, you know, we talked a bit about it yesterday and sort of in the, in the build-up, we've chatted about it online. And you're getting different riders coming with um, in different sort of form. Like I, I picked Tom Pidcock, in yeah. fact. Overnight, which was a good pick. I thought it was a good pick, and and then <laughs> I read paper, post. Paper. Yeah, on paper, I read post. He basically hadn't ridden his bike since the mountain bike Olympic Games, of course, where he won. You know, he was sublime there. Um, Jasper Philipson, he was last. Uh, he hasn't ridden, hasn't raced, I should say, mm -hmm. since the Tour de France. And there's a couple of other sprinters. So it's a real, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? And I mean, you know, now that you're on the other side of the fence, do you read much from what? from the results that you see last night from the GC guys or the sprinters? Yeah, well, I think the, the opening prologue is always a great indicator of who's done what leading into the Vuelta and who's really taking the race seriously or, or who's basically going to try and build on their form throughout the course of the three weeks. But that's what I love about the Vuelta. It's so unpredictable. You have guys that sort of abandon the Tour de France and they've just shut it down and, and really sort of reset their focuses on the Vuelta. You have certain guys that have been targeting it all year long, all, all year long and then you have a bunch of guys that are sort of just targeting stages and really using it potentially for preparation towards something like the World Championships at the end of the year. So the Welter always produces really exciting racing, but the opening prologue is, I think, is a great indicator of who's actually taking the GC really seriously and who's not. Okay, let's talk about this uh, red jersey, the leader's jersey. It's on the shoulders of uh, Primoz Roglic. It was 
the, for the same occasion for the last two uh, edition of the of the Vuelta. How do you think mm. he's going to go for this Vuelta? Is he prepared to give it up soon enough? Is he going to carry it all the way to the end for the next 21 days? What's your reading on it? Well, the team Jumbo Visma have sort of indicated over the past couple of years they're not afraid of defending the lead. They're quite happy to, to ride at the front and really take the leadership and the ownership of the race. But the Walters punchy. It's really it's a really hard race to control. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were happy to let a break go up the road with sort of some non-threatening riders in there in the general classification and let really someone else take the responsibility of of leading the race, give the Jumbo Visma team and, and Primoz Roglic the opportunity just to sit back for a few days, really, and save their energy. Because, again, it's the, it's the third Grand Tour of the season. There are a number of these riders have already raced one Grand Tour, so they're not going to quite have the, the reserves there to be able to sort of go really hard every day for three weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if they let that lead go. Yeah, and then in that sense, that would mean Yates as well is probably a contender because he hasn't done any Grand Tour this year. So therefore, the shape, the form would basically be something that we can rely on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was Exactly. I was going to ask you that, Simon. You've raced with Adam, obviously. He had a good TT. He was in the hot seat, as we saw, for a little bit overnight. What, what do you think his chances are here? I mean, he's going to be super motivated, fresh in the mind, fresh physically. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's going to be extremely motivated. It's his first Grand Tour lining up with the Ineos Grenadiers team. He's coming fresh. I think it's his big target for the year. But I tell you what, to be the leader of that Ineos Grenadiers team, when you have the likes of Bernal, Carapaz, Sivakov all in there as well, it's there's there's a pretty strong pecking order. You kind of nearly earmark half of that team as potential podium finishers in this Vuelta Espana. So he's going to have to produce something pretty special just to be in a leadership position in Ineos Grenadiers. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's look at the other riders on uh, on this TT. I want to flag, of course, Roman Bardet. Yeah. Okay? Roman Bardet had a very good time trial. Probably the best time trial that we've seen from him ever. 100%. you agree? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, I've actually got it. I've got it in my notes here. I've lost it. Uh, but he did a good one. Yeah. He no, he did a very good one. Um, yeah, he was... There's, there's a bunch of GC guys that can't time trial. Well, yeah. can't time trial very well. And for him and the likes of Lander, Lopez, it's been their huge Achilles heel. But he was super, I thought, last night. Let's listen to a Roman Bardet because that explains a little bit about how he is coming to this Vuelta. Roman, this is your second Vuelta. Do you have uh, a lot of ambitions? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah first of all, uh, very happy to be there. Yeah, it's uh, really nice to have a... Second Grand Tour run in the uh, same season, and I think uh, the approach has been quite good for me uh, all this Vuelta. So yeah, it's been uh, also challenging course. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful ready for it. How important is it to have uh, won a stage at the Vuelta Burgos just before the Vuelta? Yeah, I think uh, gave me a lot of confidence, even if I had a bit of a setback with uh, an injury since then. But yeah, I think uh, I had some good legs there, so I just need now to recover from the crash and also take that confidence uh, the way we we rode there with the team and, uh, and also the way I was able to, to finish it off with a, with a great win. No later than Monday you'll be back to uh, Picon Blanco. Is that your first target? Yeah, for sure we are here to, for day results. So yeah, hope to, to win a stage during this Vuelta. Uh, beyond the stage, GC ambitions? Uh, no, I'm here for stage win and uh, yeah, I will take it. Uh, this is nice with the Vuelta, like every two or three days you have a, 
and we can jump finish so you don't have to wait for one week into the big mountain so it's going to be exciting Gero, uh, you rode Burgos, you said, you rode the Vuelta. Uh, first of all, how much form can we read of what he's done in Burgos in the, the Vuelta? But also, do you believe him? Is he only going for stage wins? Can we actually believe what he's saying here or not? Yeah, I think you can believe Roman Bardet when he says he's just targeting stage wins in the Vuelta. And maybe the, one of the reasons that he, he transitioned away from um, Asia to our Citron to Team DSM um, was so he had a bit more liberty to target stage wins and the pressure always wasn't on him to, to do a, a big GC result. But I think his form leading into the race is, is great. You know, He's obviously got the Giro d'Italia in his legs from early in the year and that would have been a big learning curve for him to change teams and just get familiar with how DSM approach a Grand Tour. Because you've got to remember, he spent his entire career in the AG2R formation before this year. So it's a bit of a learning curve. It's getting used to the staff. It's getting used to the equipment. It's getting used to their tactics as well, how they like to go about things. So I think he would have picked up a heck of a lot uh, in this season to this point in time. And now his form's looking on point too with his, obviously, his good result or his stage win there at the Walter Burgos and, and now 14th in the opening opening prologue. And really, if he was going to target the GC, he would be one of the best of the GC, rider, GC riders there. So I think he, he is looking really good. Yeah, I was going to say he was yeah. that, exactly. He was 14th, which is not bad when you look at you know the, the TT specialists. Yeah, absolutely. There. I don't believe him though. Never believe a Frenchman. Uh, I mean, it, that's what you. I mean, it's me. a bit of a deflector though, isn't it? And and why wouldn't you? Because in two weeks' time, if he's still on time, of course he's going to ride GC, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another uh, rider we want to highlight from this beginning of this Vuelta, and bear with us because we will go through a uh, few of the Aussies coming up. Uh, but before that, Fabio Aru. Okay, we, we know the pedigree Fabio Aru had. We know he's going towards the end of his career. He's retiring at the end of this Vuelta. Uh, he's got quite a good palmarès. He's won the Vuelta before. Uh, let's listen from Fabio Aru, and I'll have uh, your opinion on him uh, straight after that, Gero. This must be a special feeling for you. It's a big race, you're on form after Vuelta Burgos, but this is also your, your last race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, finally I, I tattooed the world uh, in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, very first I tell to my, <laughs> to my family and then uh, to my team and then to the world. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be here and to finish here my, my career. Uh, here I, I had my best memories uh, of my career and I won my first Grand Tour and the only Grand Tour that I won and uh, yeah this is uh, special. You know Alberto Contador, yeah. you know the way he ended up his career at La Vuelta, yeah. are you inspired by him? Yeah, 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 really, uh, yeah, Alberto was my, my idol from when I was young and uh, yeah for sure I'm in a good shape and uh, yeah, for sure last week in Burgos was uh, really good for me. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I want to enjoy the race day by day, step by step. But uh, this is my last race uh, and I want to, to celebrate. Grazie. Grazie mille. Ci vediamo. Ciao. First of all, uh, Jean-François Kine speaks multiple languages. Incredible. Uh, but what do you think of Fabio Aru and what can he do this year at the, uh, the Vuelta? Because if the model is Contador, it means that we probably will have a bit of fireworks happening. Well, let's hope so. I think you know, Fabio Aru had an impressive career. 
I don't feel like he's that old. I kind of feel like he was one of those guys that was always that big talent coming through. And obviously he won the Walter. And I think I was racing in that Walter uh, when he won um, a few years ago. It might have been 2015. I'm not exactly sure. But he was, you know, he was an exciting rider. We've seen him win stages of Grand Tours. And he was always took a lot of pressure, took a lot of weight on his shoulders going into races, particularly like the Giro. So he hasn't really shown consistency in his form for the past few years now. So I really hope that he does light up this wealth and he does leave sort of the, the race with, with fond memories. And for, for Fabio Aru, I'd, I'd really like to see him win a stage. Yeah, you're spot on. And you're dead right, Gero. It was, it was 2015 that he won. It's interesting, isn't it? And, I mean, he's 31. So I guess in, in pro cycling terms yeah. now, it's not that old. Um, when I retired, I was 31. Yeah. And it seemed old. So look at, Val, you, look and, at Valverde. Yeah, look at – I know. That's ridiculous. Um <laughs> But it's it's he's had his criticisms over the years too because of what you just said he hasn't you know he was a young star coming through, but at the end of the day, geez, I think sometimes we all just need to <laughs> take stock and say the guy won a Grand Tour. Yeah, not everyone gets to win a Grand Tour. And other stuff as well, not just a Grand yeah, Tour. Yeah, yeah. I so. mean, it's yeah. We we and I know it's our job to you know critique and have opinions, but uh, you know you're you're a couple of years on the other side of the fence now, Gero. Um, geez, we're, we're pretty quick to sort of um, sort of criticise riders, aren't we? And when I think really, like a Rue, let's just celebrate him. Yeah, let's let's like let's celebrate him. And the fact that he is at thirty-one, I felt like my career was just getting started when I was thirty-one. Um, so you know, he's he's it's it's a shame to see a big champion like him leave the sport so early. But I think he has been so heavily criticised because he was so good at a young age. And then he dropped away really quickly. It was like from that Vuelta win in, in 2015, it really didn't feel like he achieved a heck of a lot from that point on. So I think that's why he, he received so much criticism. But, you know, the fact that I'm sure he would have the, the possibilities of continuing to race to get more contracts, but he's leaving on his own terms. So he's walking away from the sport to do other things. I think he sort of mentioned it. He just wants to spend some more time with his family. But now is the time to celebrate his, his achievements throughout their career because his career because, you know, they were pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, let's talk about the, the Aussies. Uh, there yeah. are 11 Australians in this Vuelta. So we're still not sure if it's a record or not. We need to, uh, to check on yeah, this. Yeah, I asked Maddie Keenan that yeah. last night. It's got to be close. Uh, with the Vuelta has had... In the past, we've had a pretty good number. Giro as well. Um, I, I reckon it is. I'm yeah. going to call it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna let's call it. it. Let's call it uh, close yeah. to the record. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Matthews did a, did a good time trial yesterday. Oh, he finished ninth. He was. I thought he was brilliant, Gero. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's about as good as he could have hoped for. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Michael Matthews is a he's a great time trial. He's a very strong, punchy rider, and. I think there might be a bit of pressure on those bike exchange boys coming into the Walter because they were really, you know, didn't see much of them at the Tour de France. So they've, they've turned up with a pretty formidable squad here. And I think they're going to be under the pump for, for some results. So Michael Matthews is off to a great start there. Um, solid performance. I'm not quite sure what the situation is with, with their... Um, with the bonus seconds on the intermediate sprints or on the finish line. But you'd like to think that he's within, within striking distance of, of taking the lead of the race. How much pressure... Like honestly, how much pressure you you know you you know the ins and outs of that team, and not a lot has changed since you've left with management, etc. Well, actually, there has been a little bit of change. Um, I take that back, but we we know it's still the same owner uh, in Jerry Ryan, of course. How much pressure uh, do you think is on the team? 
Well, I think that would be a bit of pressure, actually. And yeah, you're right. There has been some sort of upper echelons of, of management change, but there's been a lot, pretty much the, the same group of, of directors have been there for a number of years now. And I think they're going to, the, and the expectation is going to be that they deliver some results here. Um, if they don't walk away with uh, at least a couple of stage wins in this welter, which they have a team that are more than capable of doing that, I think uh, they will be asking some serious questions within within the bike exchange organisation. Because you look, you know, you've got Michael Matthews. He's won he's won several stages of the welter in the past. Uh, you've got Lucas Hamilton. He's coming through. He's obviously a big uh, a big hope of the team. Uh, Michael Matthews has got Luca Mezgets there. You've got Damien Housen, who's sort of a consistent or a very experienced campaigner now in Grand Tour. So you look at that squad and you kind of think, okay, these guys are definitely um, uh, more than capable of delivering in a race like the Walter Espana. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to uh, Michael Matthews straight after the time trial yesterday, or the prologue, I should say. The fans on the side of the road. Um, that was something special. I haven't been back to Spain for a while now, so coming back here and just experiencing that um, as a rider, all the fans on the side cheering, cheering my name and cheering us on is, is really what makes this sport what it is. But um, yeah, for the result, I think it was okay. Um, first race after the tour, so you never really know how you're going to feel, but um, gave it everything. Um, just but the numbers and everything were good on the computer, so in the end, I don't think I could have done anything differently in the race, so I have to be happy with the result. The goal was to be um, close enough to try and get the jersey tomorrow. Um, obviously try and win the stage but uh yeah was close enough um and yeah still got a lot of days to go to uh to try and get that stage win so um yeah looking forward to it yeah it's only uh day one of 21 but uh he's targeting tonight because uh, he mentions tomorrow but he's targeting tonight uh how much of a change chance is he tonight well he says it he, he says himself i'm close enough so again, um, uh, I should know, shouldn't I? Uh, the bonus seconds, but I think he is—he is well within reach of getting the jersey. And again, we will delve into yep. the intricacies of stage two in in a few moments. But no, I think he's in a good—in his good—he's in a good position. Um, Simon, I did, I asked Matt White a couple of days ago um, about Michael Matthews, and this is my own observation as well. I feel like he's matured a bit. I feel like, and, pro and probably I base it off watching him at the Tour de France and, you know, we heard a fair bit from him uh, with interviews and so on. He kept picking himself up off the deck and I don't mean he crashed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he wasn't winning, as you know. He was tried every day, wasn't winning. He was getting beaten by someone different. He was getting beaten in the intermediate sprints, but he kept picking himself up. He kept going for it. And I thought his attitude was better than what it's been in the past. He was complimenting his teammates and he was positive about fighting all the way to the end. Um, you raced with him a lot. And you guys, you know, you had your internal battle because you were both team leaders and, and guys that could win. But I'm seeing a more mature Michael Matthews these days. Yeah, I think Michael Matthews, like you said, at the Tour de France, he was close on a number of occasions. But there was always someone there going quicker than him in the intermediate sprints and on the stage finishes. But I think he was racing that Tour de France on the hope that Mark Cavendish wasn't going to survive the Pyrenees and he was going to be eliminated from the race. And Michael Matthews was obviously in the second second place in the green jersey competition for most of the tour. So he would have inherited that green jersey and, and probably taken it all the way to Paris. So he would have been keep picking, kept picking himself up there because there was that glimmer of hope that was largely out of his control, but that he could win the green jersey. And as far as you know what he can achieve in this race, 
is their probably their best hope of a stage win. So they're going to be giving him a lot of support uh, on the throughout the, the three weeks of the World Cup. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, let's carry on the, the roundup of, of the Aussies. Uh, I, I, I got to start with Jay Vine. Uh, love the story, uh, lo- love, love the attitude, love the kid. Uh, what, what through, through the Zwift Academy, yeah, of through, course, like, if you don't know the story, know, yeah. if you don't know the story, he's been picked up by uh, by the performance he was doing on Zwift. Uh, he's been doing a couple of good performances on Zwift, and teams have noticed him. And then uh, basically, Alpacin uh, Phoenix uh, picked him up. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good story. So it's a good story all the way coming here from Australia. Gero, do you reckon you would have got a contract if you had to? Do a Zwift Academy performance? Not in the peak of my career. If you'd line me up, you'd line me up on oh, No, I wouldn't have. One hundred percent. At my absolute heyday, I still wouldn't have got recruited. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's. It is. That's why it's such a cool yeah. story, isn't it? It's. I mean, it's but really changing the sport. It could be the beginning of several stories like this. Oh, this is the first one phenomenal. We, we're coming across. And let's listen to to Jay Vine. That was just before he started his Vuelta. I mean, in in few words, he still can't believe it that he's here. Let's listen to him. Jay, one year ago, did you imagine that you would be here at the start of La Vuelta? Tell uh, us your story. Uh, of course, of course, I wouldn't wouldn't have imagined I'd be here. Um, and I mean, even even six months ago, when I first uh, got to Europe, I wouldn't have thought that I, I'd be getting here. So. Yeah, very privileged and um, yeah, very relishing the opportunity to show my stuff on the world stage. And your team gave you the number one. Does it mean you are a leader? You have GC ambitions? Um, I, I wouldn't really read into uh, in the number process at the moment. Um, I'm here to just learn as much as possible. This is my first World Tour event. So um, yeah, we're, the, the numbers are good, but um, yeah, we're just going to take it day by day and uh, see how we go. What would be the ideal scenario for you? Um, I mean, the ideal situation for, for me would be to, to get a win with the team, um, with, with one of us. Uh, there's lots of us that can win a bike race here. Um, but uh, to be relatively okay on GC, make it through the final week with possibly a podium. Thank you. What I love about those, those young kids, and we said it many times, you and I, but they're there to dream. They're, they're dreaming big from the word go. I mean, he's saying there's a lot of us can win uh, a bike race. So he's already putting himself in the shoes of someone that can win the bike race. And actually, Podium is targeting this somewhere in he, his he says mind. It at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, no, he was pretty... Um, yeah, he, he didn't... He's certainly not getting ahead of himself. Yeah. But um, and he's well-trained too, isn't he, Gero? Um, you know, take it day by day. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I've heard that over the years. <laughs> Come you, on, tell us what you really think. You, you actually hear it in tennis as well. Yeah. Like I play ball after ball. I don't, oh, I don't count the geez. points. Yeah, that's total what we know. Yeah. Uh, but what do you make of the attitude of the youngsters? This is, I mean, you, you've been out again of the peloton for a couple of years now. But if you were still there... Would you take this as arrogance or would you take this as, yeah, geez, these guys are really ultra motivated? Well, no, I think he, he, like he's got a lot of great examples to look to of, of guys that sort of burst onto the scene and get big results in their first couple of years racing in professional ranks. And I think, Dave, when we look back to when we were racing, that was such a rarity for a, a neo-professional, even someone in their early 20s, to, to win big in the, in, mm. like in the world tour. Um, so I think the, the landscape's changed a lot, which will give a guy like Jay Vine a lot of confidence going into the Vuelta. He knows his numbers. He's obviously very astute with that, um, getting his contract via results on Zwift. So he's going to know that he can match these guys 
powder weight wise when they get to the when they get to the climb. So I really think a guy like Jay, he should be going out big in the first week of the race before maybe the fatigue or the experience of the other guys might get the better of him because if he can match them on the climbs, he should really go out there and target a stage win nice and early on. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. It's um, and you know what I love about it, he he raced early. I think he rode raced Turkey. Yeah, he won the stage. He won Turkey. the stage in Turkey, yeah, second absolutely. overall. Yeah, um, that was his first race, yeah. first first World Tour race with the team, or first pro race with the team. Then he he raced a bit more. He crashed, so he's had some time out. He's come back at Burdigos. He was brilliant on a couple of the hilltop mm. finishes there, like really good. I mean, really good. I think he split Bernal and Lander on one of the mountaintop finishes. Um, so you're right. He's he's going to be super fresh, super motivated. Uh, yeah, I, geez, we could we could see yeah. a, we could see a stage win out of him. Who knows? Yeah. I, I really hope so. Okay, let's uh, carry on on uh, the Aussie uh, theme. And you know what I like as well is that all the Australians that we have, they're not in one team. They are now spread across different teams, Alpacine Phoenix, Israel Startup, you know, there's, there's Jack Higgs at Bahrain. Uh, and that's not, that wasn't always the case. But let's talk about uh, Sebastian Berwick. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of him other than he's got a massive head of hair? Oh, yeah, I'm jealous <laughs> of his head of hair. I but, knew you, you know, would. That's, I knew you yeah, would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why you said it. Um, no, look, he's super. The first, I'd heard of him, and I'm not sure about you, Gero, but I, I think it was, well, the last time we had the, Jago Herald Sun Tour before COVID. He was second on the mountaintop finish at Mount Bullet to none other than Jai Hindley, who yep. then went on to have an amazing season with his result at the Giro d'Italia. So that was two se- last season ago. Um, so we knew he was something. He had some talent. Yeah. He had some special ability. But um, he's just another one, isn't he, Gero? Yeah, they seem to be really coming out of the woodwork uh, these days and, and guys seem to come out of nowhere and then you see these learn their names um, again once they're in the, in the world tour. So it, it is so good to see so many Aussies coming through and getting an opportunity in these in these big world tour teams. And I think, you know, when you look at the results of the Australians coming through now and, and there's so many great GC riders and obviously we've got Caleb and a number of other guys performing well in the sprints that all these World Tour teams are looking out for the next talent coming out of Australia. Um, so brilliant for brilliant for these boys to, to get their opportunity in the World Tour and line up in their first Grand Tour. 100% uh, agree. Uh, let's listen to uh, Sebastian Berwick. So you notice that the road book of La Vuelta is thick. Do you realise you are at the start of your first Grand Tour? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty unbelievable. It's a good experience. Um, yeah, that's a, it was a very thick road book. And I hope I get through the whole book this year. You're a debutant. What do you hope for? What is your task at La Vuelta? Uh, task, I think, is just go for a lot of stage wins this year. Hopefully some breakaways. Um, I've marked out about five stages that personally I think I can go really well at myself. I've come off Arctic Race of Norway and I, the form's really good. And I'm really excited to be here and hopefully rip the race apart. Thank you. Thank you. I left the end because that is a lot of hair. Like that is a lot of. Uh, Seriously, <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm being uh, tongue in cheek here. Is he 15? <laughs> and I, and I, I don't mean the way he speaks. I'm just like the way he just seems so young. It's, There's a David that said, uh, "Is his hair like Hercules? If he cuts it, what would happen? He'll lose the power. Lose the power. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, do you start to feel old at all, Gero? <laughs> oh, I've been feeling old for a long time, Dave. <laughs> but particularly. Um, yeah, my last couple of years racing because I was in my late 30s and you're seeing these guys line up and they're just out of their teams, quite literally. Mm-hmm. And you think, 
well, they've got a they've got a lot of racing ahead of them over there over there, like to look forward to. And yeah, you start to feel very old and very tired pretty quickly. <laughs> That's why you rode beside Valverde quite yeah. a bit, just to make yourself feel a bit more sprightly. <laughs> yeah, well, he still he'd still make a lot of a lot of people feel quite old. I think he was pretty. Just sorry, off the subject, yeah, he was pretty good last night, Valverde. He was, I think he was top 20. <laughs> like, what is he, 41? <laughs> let's That's not incredible. Go there. Crazy. Okay, let's have a look forward now. Uh, stage two of the Vuelta is, of course, live tonight. Yeah. I believe he's uh, 20 to 11 tonight. 1040. 1040. Oh, yeah, thank, 1040. You know, last night was great. Yep. I'm, not compl- <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining, management. <laughs> But a 150 start, I'll well, take the 1040 start. It's nothing to do with management. It's yeah. the Vuelta. That, that's <laughs> right. Actually, it's not management I mean, if at we all. could skew this, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, we'd yeah, not yeah, yeah. put it this way. But uh, uh, let's have a look at uh, the stage tonight. So it's stage two of the uh, Vuelta. Uh, we are going back to Burgos, not starting in Burgos. Uh, this is going to be an interesting stage because I believe you're hearing there is a lot of win predicted. Yeah, well, let's let's... There's the there's the profile. So it's pretty flat, Gero. Let's. I think you're the one to speak a bit more uh, in depth on this, as you've raced uh, Bertigos, the tour, and around that region. But um, yeah, what what do you think? It's going to be 35 degrees, 36 degrees. Uh, will there be enough wind to split the race up? Well, without knowing sort of the wind direction and and the strength of the wind, well, I can sort of say from experience, Burgos is a very open and kind of a sparse area. So when the wind does pick up, it can be very open and exposed. So in that scenario, you don't need a team to sort of put too much pressure on the front for too long to create echelons and to really break things up. But it will really depend on the direction of the wind and when the riders will feel some of that crosswind because this stage, as we saw by by the map there, it does sweep around, so there's a few changes of direction. So at some point, the wind will likely be going from the the, the right direction to to, blow, to really blow things up. And stage two, yeah, like who, who is going to you know, Dukernik, Quick Step? They've sort of been the masters in the past. They don't have their super A team here, but who, who would you think? What team? Or is Jumbo Visma? Are they a team that are going to try and light it up? What do you think? Well, the Cooney Quickstep, they've showed they don't need their B18 to, to be able to win bike races. They seem to be able to win with whoever they turn up with. But you're right, Jumbo Visma are a team that, that always are right at the front and they're in a position to potentially bust things up. Ineos Grenadiers have really taken the initiative a few times over the past couple of years um, because, again, they all ride around the front. They ride really well placed and, and often capitalise on, on moments where there might be sort of a strung out going through a town in a bit of a crosswind section. Often in a cross tailwind section is where they really like to, to bust it up. So there are a number of teams and that, that sort of like to ride around the front that you really have to watch in these crosswind scenarios. You mentioned Dukini Quickstep. They're not here with the A team or so on, but they've got uh, Jakobsen. Yeah, it's a, Fabio Jakobsen. It's it's a it's a sad slash good story because he's, well, he's back. There's a happy ending. There's a, yeah, no I, matter what happens yeah, with, with his now, career yeah. now, it's yeah. uh, because let's remember Fabio Jakobsen was involved in this massive crash in mm. Tour of Poland uh, last year, and we caught up with him just on the on the start line, and he's, he's he, yeah, he's fairly happy to be back. To be honest, he's happy to be back and. He's actually got pretty good form too. Yeah. He's had a couple so of wins. Why why are we talking about him tonight? Because he actually can be a surprise tonight. He totally. could be could actually totally. be the winner of that stage. Let's listen to Fabio Jakobsen. Fabio, you've made a few comebacks this year. How big is the comeback to a Grand Tour? Oh, um, I just said to Stevie, it's uh, 
On this day a year ago, I came back with the plane from Poland to, to the Netherlands. So uh, yeah, it's been a year now and I think nobody expected me to even be here. So uh, yeah, I'm extremely grateful to be here and I'm happy to race the Vuelta. And you come here after two stage wins at uh, Tour de Wallonie. Does it mean you have the confidence for winning stages here as well? Yes, for sure. Uh, I'd like to win a stage like I did two years ago. Um, I didn't expect to already win a stage in Wallonia, but I guess the shape is there and I'm still able to, to win bunch sprints. So yeah, I look forward already to the, to the sprint stages in the Vuelta. And what is your take on uh, the sprinters field? Well, it's a strong field. I think there's a couple of riders who, who performed well this year. Uh, if I look at Jasper Philipsen, and then there's of course Arno Demar, who is a big champion of the past. Uh, so yeah, it will be uh, will be a nice battle against them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Gero, I wanted to to ask you on on this particular point. Uh, Thankfully, you haven't been involved in, in such a big crash as uh, Jakobson did. But uh, how much racing do you need, do you think, to come back to your best in a bunch sprint like this? Is the Vuelta the best place for him to really now you know, flush the cobwebs and start winning again uh, and winning, you know, really well on, on, the, on the world stage like this? Where, where do you think he's at? Well, what's probably... The best thing for me about seeing Jakobsen is he hasn't lost his nerve and he hasn't lost his confidence to line up in these bunch sprints. Because in the past, what we've seen, we've seen some fantastic sprinters have horrific crashes and they just lose their nerve. They don't, they, they're not prepared to take the same risks in the finals anymore that it that requires to be up there and sprinting for, for bunch sprint wins. So, in fact, he's got a couple of stage wins there in Wallonie, not the biggest race. However, it shows he's got the confidence to, to still be there and, and still box on. So... If there was anyone that I would say I'd love to see a stage, to see win a stage in, in this year's Walter Espanyol, it's Jakobsen. Yeah, it's you're spot on. It's um, I think Matty Keenan said it last night as well. There won't there won't be a single rider in the peloton, yeah, uh, rival uh, or not from that will begrudge if he wins tonight. I think everyone I think will be happy to see it happen. Shoot a high five. Oh yeah, this yeah. One. yeah, it can't be understated what yeah. he's what he's come back. So from. if we go back and just to conclude on on this podcast, uh, if we look at the winners tonight, uh, Jakobson, he mentioned Demar as well. He uh, said champion of the past. Though. Yeah, champion of the past. I was going to ask. Uh, what can he read actually on this? I'm not sure Demar would be pleased I'm just with that. Stabbing you, don't worry. <laughs> no, no, because actually I agree. Uh, but who else can you see? Who else do I see being right up there? I sort of see Michael Matthews is obviously going to be extremely motivated. Um, yeah, DeMar, he probably doesn't have his best lead-out train there around him. Uh, Philipson, Trentin is always a good performer at the, at the Welter Espanyol. He's not a guy that wins a lot of big bunch sprints, but if it gets a little bit hard towards the finish, I expect to see him him there too. So it's really hard to pick, and that's why it makes these, these opening stages ever more exciting. Okay, so... Yeah, it's true. If you had to pick someone tonight, no, they're all the they're all the guys Gero mentioned. Um, one Sebastian Milano, who's he's a teammate of Trentin, so I think he just won two stages of Burgos, okay. two of the flatter ones. Again, you know, not all the best sprinters are there, but sprinters when they have a win, their morale goes up. It's so important. But I think the usual suspects, ah, oh, jeez, I don't know, Philipson. Philipson. He was last in the TT. 
I'm thinking he's going to he's going, he's flushed the cobwebs out overnight and he'll he'll bounce back. He came close a couple of times at the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, this is it for tonight. Uh, Geralt, thank you for for joining us. It's always great to have all your insight on the on the podcast, and I hope you can join us across the road of this Vuelta 2021. Now, me too. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep, thanks, mate. Um, look, the way this COVID thing is going, we'll see you, no doubt, <laughs> via virtually. But hopefully we'll catch up in about 12 months' time. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. See you, mate. Thank you, Geralt. Cool. This is the end of this podcast. Oh, tell you what, jam-packed. Yeah. Plenty plenty going on. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hunt a few more of the Aussies, aren't we, over the next few days? We're hopefully, 11 yeah. of them. Hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll get to hear from hopefully. all of them. Anyway, thank you for joining us. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we go, let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or you can log a ride with your friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's tomorrow, 5.30. This man will be on air at uh, 20 to 11, 20, uh, 10.40, so 20 to 11. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. Over the winter, all my motivation comes from taking on their athlete workouts. My favourite is Matthew Vanderpool. Fun is going full gas as he helps build your anaerobic capacity. These training plans have helped me find my best. There are workouts from Garant Thomas and Anna Vanderbregen, so every aspect of your riding can be tested, ready for summer. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.